how far is too far in the rules of golf and in golf punishment? Let's tee it up. Welcome to Data Access Golf, your home for rapid golf improvement. And now, from the thin air of the Rocky Mountains, next on the number one tee, your host, Aaron Stewart. Hey everyone, Aaron Stewart, Data Access Golf, the podcast. Thanks for being with me here today. I really appreciate it very much. We are in full swing of the 2020 season and some good golf being played. I am looking forward to the upcoming tournament in Vegas. I was a resident of Vegas for a number of years, went to UNLV, actually used to work out at a golf course called the Desert Inn golf course way back in the day. Uh, didn't, do, didn't really do a whole lot there, but it was fun to work at a golf course. Um, anyway, so yeah, today I wanted to jump on really quickly. I don't know if, uh, if you've been following this. I think it's probably pretty hard to, uh, to not follow. And... In that, uh, this is a hard one for me. So in, in the world of golf, obviously, we've got tours that are all over the world, which is great. I think it's a great opportunity for a lot of folks to go and hone and work on their game and then come back here to the States and try to make it on the big tour, right? So it's really cool. You've seen the PGA Tour kind of go out there and gobble up some of these other tours like the Canadian Tour and the um, the South American Tour, I think, is owned by the PGA Tour now. And so they've definitely used this. And obviously, the Corn Ferry Tour, they obviously use these tours and sometimes these international tours as places where they can sort of control um, what's going on and give a number of golfers opportunities to get better, right? To play professional, other professionals and hone their game and try to get them to a place where, boom, they can eventually show up on the PGA Tour it's obviously very good as the game's trying to expand internationally, especially the PGA Tour. We definitely see it in the on the LPGA Tour already. But you can kind of see the PGA Tour doing the same thing. You've got a lot of European Tour players who always used to just play on the European Tour who now make the PGA Tour their home. Roy McIlroy, for example. Um, you've definitely seen it in some others. Graham McDowell, um, Ian Poulter. Um, those are some European players that uh, Paul Casey that definitely just spend most of their time here. And then with the way the uh, definitely something that's been super interesting when the tour ends up here, you see a lot of these European tour players now running across the pond to jump into the race to Dubai and try to make up some money, good money to make over the course of the the, the rest of the year in order to get to Dubai and try to win some cash there. So you're, you're seeing this global change in the world of golf. And that, I thought for a long time, that, that was sort of making golf a, I, I don't know, a more consistent experience around the world. I mean, we try to have the rules basically the same around the world. The governing bodies all kind of get in line of, of all the other tour, tours, even those not owned by the PGA Tour, kind of fall in line with the RNA and the USGA. And so, right, we've got a game that's pretty much universal, pretty much international, pretty much all on the same page. And then comes the Korean tour. And again, the Korean, you've got the Japanese, the Japan tour, the Korean tour. Everybody's, you know, great. Have your own tour. You got the Canadian tour. Everybody knock yourselves out and have your own tour. Um, but man, I found it so interesting. So we've got this uh, situation, right? Where 
um, a, a player by the name of, oh man, what's his first name? But Kim is his last name. And he was playing in a, Euro, in a, a Korean tour event. He was, Bio Kim is his name, Bio. He was playing in this, this Korean tour event. Um, he was on the 16th hole and was playing a shot and somebody in the odd and somebody in the crowd cell phone went off right which he freaked out right he got upset and he flipped him off right showed him the middle finger whatever now for those of us that have spent some time internationally and uh, have lived internationally and I spent a couple years in Japan, and then I have traveled for business to 50-some-odd different countries. So I realize that there's culture and there's different things going on that we have to be uh, sensitive to, right? And, and the way we do business and the way we interact, all of that is very, very different from country to country. It's built on tradition and culture. Great. I, in fact, I love all of that stuff. It's fascinating to me. But here we've got a situation where a player, a Korean tour player, um, was upset and then used an obscene gesture, which is uniquely American, I might add, and now got a three-year ban. I, yeah, that seems, here's the problem. Um, if any of you have ever done, I'm going to, I may get in trouble. Have, if any of you have ever done business in Korea, um, really the only way to get anything done over there quickly is to bribe people. I mean, that's just the bottom line. You can go about, but I mean, that goes on, right? And it's not cool and it's not legal. And if you get caught doing it, you get in big trouble. And so sometimes doing business in Korea just isn't worth, just isn't worth it because it takes freaking forever to get anything done over there. But it's this, I don't know, it's this, aura of somehow or another, the Korean tour took this punishment to the extreme. I don't know what the, uh, what the US, what the US PGA tour would do or what the European tour would do as somebody gave the, the you know, the obscene gesture, but it isn't going to be three years. I guarantee you that. And I don't even know. I mean, I don't know Korea. Like I know, say like a Japan, but I don't even know. i like, Okay, I've been in Japan and have been been, been flipped off by uh, Japanese and, you know, by, Jap by the Japanese people, by, you know, usually it's kids and stuff who are kind of being funny. But I got to tell you, when a, a Japanese kid flips you off, it's just kind of laughable because, you know, they don't know what it really means. And, you know, they don't know, even if they tried to say the word that goes along with the gesture, they couldn't even pronounce it properly. And so you just end up laughing. It's not a big deal. And so when a, when a Japanese person used to curse at us using an English word, we would giggle our heads off. I mean, it was just not, you know, it wasn't, you know, obviously we're, we're, we're missionaries, right? So we're dressed in white shirts and ties and it's obvious who we are. And so they say some funny stuff to us and they try out their English and it was never offensive. It was just hysterical. So there is something about when you hear, and even when they try to use their words in Japanese that we understood that were trying to be critical of us, when they use those words because they're not in our native tongue, they carried no real sting. We would goof off and laugh. I mean, it just, it just wasn't that big of a deal. 
So when they used the English words and tried to make us upset, it sounded so ridiculously funny because they had a hard time pronouncing a lot of our swear words that we laughed our heads off. And then when they tried to use the Japanese words, which we understood and used it against us because it wasn't in our native tongue, it had no sting and we would laugh some more. So I don't know necessarily if a Korean player flipping the bird at a Korean cloud, I mean crowd, had that much sting. Like, I think most of the people there have no idea what it meant. Or if they did know what it meant, it's not a gesture that they're totally familiar with. They've got other gestures that mean the same thing. And as you go country to country, everybody seems to have a gesture that means this. But it isn't the middle finger gesture. It isn't the bird finger all the time. Okay, so I'm not an expert on which countries use the bird and which countries do not. But I'm just saying, I doubt, like if somebody, if somebody here in the States, I guess here's my point. If somebody here in the States flipped the bird, somebody on the PGA Tour flipped the bird to the crowd, and it was an American crowd, we all know what that means. And we've been raised knowing what that means. And so we have um, built up and understand within our heads how we're supposed to react to that, right? Fight or flight. We'd be offended, all of that, because that's a learned behavior and that's what that means to us. But in Korea, I don't think it has the same meaning. I don't think it has the same pop. And, and yet he got three years. But here in this country, where if you flip the bird and we know exactly what it means and all of that, they get, what, a week? I mean, they get nothing. They would be maybe fined. But a three-year ban? A three-year ban is preposterous. And, and, and frankly, it's a little offensive. Like, don't punish somebody for three years because he used one of our gestures. I mean, is it... If he used the Korean version, would he have gotten a week? It's because he used the American version of what that means that he got three years? Like, do not import foul gestures into our country or you're going to get, or we're going to ban you for three years, even though our politicians take bribes in order for you to get your company in here. I, I just the whole thing seems ridiculous and way overblown and offensive and preposterous. And I hope that Biochem comes over here and um, makes a whole bunch of money and never has to go back there. I mean, they showed the kid on his knees crying and apologizing. Um, I, I have no problem with him apologizing, but um, putting the kid through that much stuff, uh, I just, I, I, I'm not a big believer in shame. I don't think shame is a benefit. I don't think shame helps you. I don't think shame is positive. I don't think shame is helpful. I think shame is uh, garbage. Sh using shame to control a human behavior is cruel and unusual punishment. And I believe that the Korean tour is far more at fault in this situation and far more disgusting than this poor young man, Bio Kim. So Korean tour, you suck as far as I'm concerned. Um, awful. I do not like the Korean tour. I think it's the worst tour in the world, world and I hope that it goes bankrupt because this is disgusting. This is horrible to treat a young man this way. Was bad. A very talented young man who went on to win the tournament and leads, led that tour. I mean, that could be it, right? We'll probably find out 
that in the government, uh, the player who is ranked that that the number two player on the Korean tour, um, his dad is like the governor of the city. I mean, that's the kind of crap that comes out of this. And so you want to knock the number one player off, so his uh, so his uh, son can win the the tournament, right? It's going to be something like that. Um, and don't get me started on uh, Lexi Thompson getting um, penalized um, <laughs> at the ANA from a call from Korea, because that sucked too. But anyway, here we are. Terrible, terrible thing for golf. Awful. I wish this, this kid biochem well. I hope that he does well wherever he ends up playing. And I hope he does play. And I hope he blows off the Korean tour and finds someplace else to play that is a little more humane than the Korean tour is. So that's it. Just a little rant for today. Oh, mercy. We'll get back to the positive, cool stuff about golf next time. Until then, please remember, better data always means better golf. And I so much appreciate you joining me. If you do want to get further and go more, the uh, the private Facebook group is available. We had two members join over the week, which I'm excited about. I'm going to drop, drop in there and do some lives here pretty quickly. And I'm excited about uh, some of the stuff that's coming. But if you just go to Facebook and search for Data Access Golf Private Club, Fill out a couple, three questions. I'll let you in there and we will have some cool discussions. Really, all we're looking for is you need to be over 30 years of age. You need to not be playing golf full time, right? You you do have a life and you don't have as much time to practice golf as you'd like to and no professionals. If you hit those three things, you're in and we'll have a great discussion inside about golf and how we can practice most effectively to get as good as we possibly can so we can enjoy this great game when we have a chance to play it. So until next time, Aaron Stewart from Data Access Golf. Better data always means better golf. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Data Access Golf with Aaron Stewart. Check us out online at dataaccessgolf.com and we'll see you on the next episode.